Well, now podcasting is a uh, an audio, if that's the right word, not a visual medium. But I, you know, we do. Everyone does a lot of videos nowadays, and I wanted to bring up. You know, I'm always trying a new configuration, and I think every, people listening will know what we're talking about without seeing it. But I, I want to raise a topic that I think y'all can help me solve. Is like, where do I need to be looking, and how do I need to be feeling when I'm doing video stuff? Right? Like, I feel like. I mean, it's very rare. I mean, I'm not going to be one of these people who gets like a teleprompter and figures that situation out, right? You that know, would be dope. Yeah, it, it seems <laughs> it seems complicated though because the way you do the teleprompter thing is you put like an iPhone or an iPad in there, and then you've got to call into Zoom on your iPad. But then if you want to share your screen, you're calling into another Zoom from your desktop. I mean, it's just like ridiculous, right? Maybe there's some stuff to do, and it, I'll like whatever. And so, like, you know, consequently, people very rarely look directly into the camera. And um, that's always been, uh, you know, when, I've, when I'm a creator making content. Like, I'm, I'm right now looking into the camera at you, too. Uh, but, like, it, it, it disturbs me. Uh, disturbs is the wrong word. It's aesthetically displeasing when, when I'm not looking into the camera and I catch myself. But I've been trying to sort out, because it's just impossible to do that, Right. And what I've realized is, is uh, when I watch the Minecraft yellers and other people, they're not looking into the camera. So the professionals, the ones who are, who are getting the, the, the money out there, they often set the camera up almost so that it's like looking down on one side of their face. Like well, there's a 45-degree that- angle going to their cheekbone. And then they're looking directly at the screen. And so the question that I have for, for you two is, is that the best practice for camera placement? When, no. when you when you're doing things <laughs> i mean the reason the reason they're staring at the screen is because they're not the content the content on the screen mm. they are the commentators of the screen content you right in this right. case kote you are the content mm. right your big your big head in my screen is that's what i'm here for i'm not here to like watch whatever you're showing on a screen if if you were doing a presentation you know, yeah. Like, okay. Okay. Then, then maybe you go to you know three quarters view or whatever, um, but but yeah, and the Minecraft yellers are are you know they're yelling about what's on the screen, so we're all staring okay. at the screen, not at their faces. Probably now, now I and now I like that because this does suggest, and and then we'll we'll we'll, we'll get to your take on this, Brandon, in our in our round robin here, uh, uh, as it were. Is I think maybe what I could also do is I could have two cameras. I could have the stare into the camera camera. Right. And then I can have the one I'm sharing the screen camera and the sharing the screen camera can be offset at the, the Minecraft yeller angle. Right. And, and in that case, that is better because this is really where it comes up is when I do want to, like, go over, share my screen, like I'm, sh- I'm staring at the screen. Right. And that messes everything up. So maybe that shift uh, would work out. And then I'm just going to need to figure out some automated way to shift between the cameras uh, that also like does that maybe i'll finally need to buy brandon's roadcaster black magic or whatever oh i i, I and, thought every and... <laughs> every podcaster loves uh stream deck yeah it's, i'm sure yeah stream deck will do that just through a usb interface i'm sure will uh <laughs> definitely definitely handle that. although maybe you could automate to that so, so brandon what, what what how do i solve this dilemma here what what, what do i do yeah i know it's a good question i mean i struggle with it myself i do have the uh the black magic uh camera switcher here that you can kind of like switch, switch between different things although it's it is a pain right, to get it all set up um so i know i i just kind of think like for if you're streaming and i guess the kind of stuff we're doing and some of the uh, the gamers, Minecraft yellers, like you said, it's like, I just feel like it's, it's kind of its own genre. Like, so I think it is, if you will, mm. acceptable 
to like everyone understands like screens are in front of you and you're kind of like looking at things and you know you're yeah. either re referencing material or you're playing a game so i feel like it's just normal to be um if you will it'd be okay especially if it's like a live video if it's not something that's edited because i of course like the, a lot of the minecraft right, videos right, right. are well edited where they'll like they will like focus in on the creator when it's they're like selling merch or they're saying something and then they go back to like the shot of the games um but i think unedited i just feel like hey everybody's good just you gotta you know, rough look, it out yeah just like i think it, i think it's more natural right it's sort of like it's natural to uh, be doing other things. I think people understand you're looking at other screens when you're also producing content. Like this okay. isn't um, like a professional newscast or something like that, right? Where, <laughs> but what about, where you've got what about a, a producer behind the scenes. Go ahead, Matt. Yeah, what, what about our setup, Brandon? I mean, because looking at the screens here, Kote and I appear to be looking at our screens, but you, you're you looking a little like 30% <sighs> off. Like yeah, I am. You know what? Because I have, I you know, you guys tell me it's like I have uh, the camera mounted right above the two monitors and I kind of have them like, coming together so i don't know i need the to bring the camera down i don't know how you guys do it like is your your cameras my, my are a camera little bit is literally like right above the top of my screen yeah, yeah so mine's like i guess slightly higher i guess i'd have to like you know if i yeah, move okay. off a little i don't know i have to i don't know i need better posture i need to get it situated more well, so I don't, I don't know though i think well it's, i uh, i i have a no yeah, I, have, I have a boom arm that situates the camera right in the middle of my screen and so this is this is also why i think about it a lot because it obscures the screen that i have yeah yeah, you know, the the only other point of reference, I think, you know, is it, when you have interview shows, right? Like the it, the people that they don't look into the camera directly because they're looking at the person they're interviewing, right? Mm -hmm. Like, like, and so that's maybe what I should do is I just need to convince people that there's always someone else in the room and then that, that, I'm, that I'm talking to them. Would, that, I, you know, Kote, among the three of us, you're the one who's going to get a, a professional cameraman first. <laughs> I, yeah, okay, I think that's true is one... So, so what I need to do now, what I, what I hear you saying, Matt Ray, is in the future, I'm going to establish a sort of Ed McMahon, Paul Schaefer, Andy Richter situation, right? I'm going to have, oh. I'm going to have my, the, the person, I don't know what they call that role. I thought um, I you was know. your sidekick. Well, I mean, you, you have to, <laughs> you have to, you have to be in the room for this sidekick. Oh thing, yeah, that ain't right? It's just kind of, kind of hanging out. And until I actually achieve an actual three-dimensional sidekick, maybe what I should start doing is pretending like I have one. And that'll be like that'll be like an advanced, uh, you know, Cote fandom thing where you know that I'm pretending, and other people, hey <laughs> other people will just like, you know, they'll think that there's someone actually in the room, and I'll get like, I'll get, I'll use the, uh, I think this is where I might use the Roadcaster Pod Pod Pro uh, board man. Uh, well, I can I can get some some little sound a sound thing every now and then you know I'll be like, <clears throat> and I'm like oh I don't know and like you know just some little sounds that I can what? play every now and you, then. You just came up with the first business case for the metaverse. Software Defined Talk is brought to you by Teleport. Every hack follows the same problem. First, hackers exploit a human error, like a leak key or a secret left in code. They gain a foothold and then pivot, moving from one compromised system to the next. Sound familiar? Teleport breaks this cycle. Open source Teleport gives every engineer, every piece of hardware, every application an identity. Replacing secrets like password and keys with auto-expiring, identity-based certificates, the Teleport platform reduces the opportunity for human error, increasing productivity, and revolutionizing security and compliance. Learn why the most valuable visionary businesses in the world choose Teleport at goteleport.com. And of course, we thank Teleport for sponsoring our show. Well, all of the, uh, the, the public cloud numbers are out, their revenue, yeah. their, their quarterly stuff. It looks like now I have not done a deep analysis, but 
as I think I think you're the big fan of the uh, the Clouded Judgment newsletter blog in your email inbox, as it were, Brandon. And uh, you know, I gave I gave a, a cursory update on it. You always have a, a a better take than I do. Now, maybe Matt Ray is the uh, the dark horse here, the the one who also has an excellent take. But I, I it, it looks like growth is a little bit down from the same quarter last year, which which I think is fine. However, it still looks like their growth is amazing, and, yep. and uh, they're making tons of money. Which you know, that's always my commentary on the public cloud uh, quarterly reports. Like I I don't I don't know how this could be going any better. Other than just like you know, bigger numbers. Well, but, um, yeah. Apparently, the stock market heard you, so that that's a good thing. <laughs> but what, uh, what 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 are the highlights here, Brandon? What, what is is there anything to tell, or is it just like, yep, still we're going to be there any minute, kids? Well, I Engines think so. Are going, everything's cool. As you uh, already kind of indicated, I do like this. I like the cloud judgment, cloud of judgment newsletter. And but I think today, this week or this quarter, I kind of wanted to like you know like what is the ultimate end goal? So to kind of recap, here are the numbers. Yes. So AWS is at a basically a seventy nine billion dollar run rate, growing 33 percent year over year. Uh, Azure fifty five billion run rate, growing at forty six year over year. Of course, like of, we have to always say this, like Azure's like Microsoft is like it's not exactly you know they don't it's not apples to apples, but we're just going to use that number. Oh, is that because they and put then, all the SaaS stuff in? Yeah, there? they have like yeah. other things in there, and then Google Cloud. Which includes G Suite, but I don't know. I don't know if that really matters. They're at a twenty-five billion dollar run rate, uh, also mm-hmm. uh, growing at thirty-six percent year over year. So again, like Google really entrenched as the third one there, not growing quite as fast, but like that seems to be the top three. But you know, it's like it's like as always. Like when I was looking at those numbers, I had I had to uh, uh, inform my mind for a little bit. Like, oh, I don't I don't know about those growth rates. And then I was like, oh right, almost forty percent, pretty amazing. Like, that's, yeah, I, 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 w- I would like that growth rate in my revenue as yeah, well. Yeah, no, of course. So I think these businesses are great. Like, there's just like to your original point. So now if um, all of the cloud leaders always say that, like, oh, we're in the early innings, it's only going to get bigger. So I actually tried to like say, OK, like, well, what is like, how big is this actual market? Right. So mm. because I think what we ought to start thinking about is like, OK, exactly how big could it get and what, kind of what's the cap? So I, you know, went out to Gardner. I don't know. I have my issues always with the Gardner forecast, but in, you know, in lieu of nothing else, uh, and, and this link is in the show notes, they basically uh, forecast that worldwide IT spending for everything is $4.5 trillion, right? So that is, and so of course, like, you know, that's not all just like, you know, cloud and data centers, that's everything, but that's sort of like the upper limit, right? So like, you know, if you want to like, just do like the logical exercise here would be like, okay, well, Yep. If if the three cloud providers got everything, they would you know, be four point five trillion dollars. So, and what I'm going to do here is I'm going to say like let's just round up. Let's just say the top three are basically two hundred billion dollars. Let's just sort of make the numbers ourselves, and they're growing at about thirty percent. And it's like okay, well, of this four point five trillion, like like what is the potential? Like how much money could the cloud vendors actually get? Right, and then to that end, I guess it's like do we think given current growth rates and more importantly, this is the world I spend a lot of time in like migrations and app modernization trends, like how fast things are moving in there. Like when would it likely, you know, um, actually happen? So, you know, I guess that's kind of the part I'm thinking about is like, okay, so like, let's say even if you grew at say 30% at $200 billion, it's still going to take you a while to get to even 400 billion. It's going to take like Mm. say four or five years. Right. So just to like wrap this up and just say, it's like, okay, and, but technology will keep moving along, right? right? So five or 10 years, it's like, 
I think, you know, the cloud leaders always want us to lead us to believe it's like it's going to be two trillion is the ultimate market cap. But I just think it's going to take so long that there'll be new technology and new things will actually happen that will probably prevent these legacy vendors uh, or not even legacy, prevent the clouds from ever getting this enormous, I guess is what I've been thinking about. Like mm, just how big yes. could it possibly get? So Matt, uh, it sounds like you have some thoughts here. Well, uh, two things, you know, first of like, if, if, you know, I'm not a, a statistician, but you know, I took a math class and if you take the, you know, each, each quarter they're reporting, oh, you know, we only had 33%. Oh, we only had 32%. Well, if you just graph that, right. Is there some, is there some like, you know, curve that shows like, this is when they stopped growing and, you know, 2036, you know, they hit zero and like, do they all converge at 2 trillion? Is that like a, an accepted number that they all kind of came up with? Or am I missing something? I mean, obviously it's a lot more complicated than that. Um, but uh, yeah, I, 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 I actually tend to think that there's probably an external market factor more likely to stop them from getting to 2 trillion, mm. like, you know, government intervention or something. That's like, no, 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 you, we can't let you be that big. <laughs> or, or <laughs> that's like, not or like, too big to fail. That's, that's too big to be controlled. Some sort of like Joe Amordium situation that might, that might uh, slow their growth <laughs> yes. down. And I, th I, th I think what we've hit on here is, I mean, if, if I may, may be so bold as to suggest there is something fun in this area, this is, this is one of the funner aspects of uh, total addressable market or TAM think, right? Where like, I think, I think you, uh, you, you pointed out well here, Brandon, is like, it's easy to, uh, this feels like some sort of uh, Nassim Taleb like swan situation where like, it's easy to get excited about a big number until you realize how much bigger the number that one is operating in is, right? Like, I guess, I guess this is like a cosmology thing where you're like, ooh, you know, the city of Paris is huge and a big bustling thing, but it actually fits into, uh, in, into England. And then that actually fits into this hemisphere and then the world and then the universe, like that old uh, IBM video where they and pull China's up from 20, 20 cities the same size. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and so similarly, right? Like even though the, and, and I think, I think, again, this is what's fun. The speculation or the, the imagining that you're doing, Brandon is like, yeah, but like how much of that money, how much of that TAM are these big cloud companies going to get into like, because, and, and then the other fun thing is to like, historically, uh, to be like, well, you know, at one point, I'm sure something like the following is true. At one point, IBM owned 20, you know, 20% of that total addressable market or something absurd like that. Now, right. back then it was probably like, you know, a $1 million TAM or something, <laughs> but like, <laughs> but good old and, days, but yeah. so, so that is always like, that's something that I uh, uh, I learned when I was doing like M and A stuff because, as as is well established, I was a liberal arts major, so we did not learn about this. <laughs> I, I did not learn about this when I was studying. There's things. nothing wrong with that. But but it's always good to find the uh, the the sort of like the Ptolemaic edge of your cosmos and have yeah. things in like in like uh, relation to that. Now, thankfully, I don't think a TAM of uh, infinity has ever been discovered yet. <laughs> So there's there's been no Einstein of TAM relativity or anything that just like totally makes it impossible to think well, about. So there's always yeah. an upper limit. All right, and but let me let me phrase it this way. I mean, this is a, another way to kind of think of the same numbers. It's just to say, it's four point five trillion dollar market. I'm going to round up. I'm going to say it's the cloud vendors have two hundred billion in there today. That's four percent. And so it is taken. I'm going to say the beginning of the cloud was 2006 with AWS. So I'm going to say we're 16 years into the transformation to the cloud. We are collectively at 4% with the, the top three, right? Mm -hmm. And 
So in the next 10 years, like, what do we think? Are we going from four to eight? Because that would double. That would be tremendous. That would like that would still make a ton of, ton of money, but you still will only be at 8%, right? You think you're going to triple? And that would be like maybe right, it could right, be at right. 12. And it's like when you start to kind of do that, and the other thing that I kind of, because I kind of live this part of, and I think Cote and, and all of us kind of live this today, is like I'm closer to the migrations and stuff like that, right? And I kind of see, and it's like, oh, you know, moving stuff to the cloud, like a lot of the low-hanging fruit has been done. Like a lot of the VMs that are easy to throw over the, the cloud, that's, uh, that is well-known and people are good at it. And of course, uh, contact Brandon if you would like assistance doing that. Um, what is much more complicated uh, are, you know, like kind of in-depth app modernization, which a lot of this, you know, four trillion, a trillion dollars are in these kind of customized apps, right? And it's like, Whoa, I don't know, you know, I don't know if you're going to get that. Now, new workloads, right? Of course, new workloads, new companies, things that have never been on premise. They're probably all going to like live in the cloud from the beginning yeah, and never come back. But, yeah. um, but I think it's interesting, like, you know, I kind of always think of this, this Andy Jassy thing when he's sort of like, you know, and I'm not, not picking on Andy Jassy. All of the cloud leaders do it, right? They just, they kind of be like, oh, 4.5 trillion. It's like, ah, I don't think like, I don't really think you're getting there. Like, I don't think that logically consists us or 16 years in we're at four percent so something's going to happen in the next decade that either it's going to transition much faster than it is today and we're gonna, it's going to get to 50 percent or it's just never going to get as big as maybe people lead us to believe having right. said all that these businesses are phenomenal any one of us if someone gave it to us we'd be like this is great you know what I mean? Sure. It's like, and, oh my gosh. And, like, and, 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 and I mean, I, we'd I, probably drive it into the ground, but sure. Yeah. Well, I think, I, I, you know I, what? I think it would be hard to drive it into the ground in the short term. I, I actually, think you'd just no, be no, like, hey, let's just ride right, this out right. for a while. Well, so, and, and, and that's what protects them from competition is they're so large that, you know, somebody can have like, you know, Docker plus VMware plus, you know, serverless as the next great thing. And, you know, it's co-opted within a year. That's, that's the problem with them being so large and, and agile. Yeah. So, so I, I, I have, I have three thoughts. We'll see if I get to them. And, and, uh, the first one is like, I think, I think, yeah, joining onto it, to what you two are saying, like, I think the, 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 the non snarky cynical thing to do with this, uh, you know, like, uh, being aware of the total addressable market, the TAM is to, is to use it as a way to not get too obsessed with one part of a bigger market. Right. So like, you know, everyone's obsessed with public cloud and these numbers and like, Probably uh, a little bit to to your chagrin, Brandon. A lot of people aren't covering like the thrilling market of application modernization. You know that 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 doesn't that doesn't uh, consume like a dedicated Bloomberg article that gets linked to by uh, Matt Levine and and uh, you know Ben Thompson isn't talking on the Dithering podcast about like ooh that app modernization, what what a humdinger, <laughs> uh, you know it, that's going on there. So like it's good to like use this kind of like uh, you know sub tam thinking to realize all the other segments that are out there. Now right. now two, I think I think. Uh, I don't know how far down on the list this would be, but it would be something fun to do that, that if I, if I had infinite time, I would eventually get to do is like a model that would be fun. Maybe you can get your, uh, your friend, your, your cloudy judgment friend to do this is, and, and I guess if you were like a financial analyst, this is how you would do, uh, your, your pricing it into the share price sort of stuff is at some point you have to model what is the max amount of revenue that these public cloud companies can ha have, like, and how many years is it going to take, right? And that's the end point, right? And it's just like, this is one of the fun things about TAM is just sort of like 
making this shit up when you're doing like strategy <laughs> stuff. And like, you know, there's lots of rules of thumbs. Like I think, and that you can derive and like the rules of thumbs can be like, I don't know. No one ever historically has more than 15% share of Tam. Like it just doesn't happen. Right. Like, so you can kind of like come up with a rule of thumb like that. So then the next move. So what you say there is you say like, so if there's going to be three top people there, let's just say they're each going to have 15 and we'll do some Monte Carlo shit when we want to get fancy, but they're just going to each have like 15% share when they've maxed out and then everyone else has the rest. So then the next step that you have to do is like, I'm assuming the 4.5 trillion uh, TAM uh, is Gartner's all in IT spend, which includes hardware, software, services, the mysterious telco category, uh, and, and like all of these things. So then the next thing you have to do is carve back that TAM to just what the clouds are currently offering, right? So, and, and, uh, and then your spreadsheet will pop out like, oh, by the year 2030X, they'll have tapped out their TAM. Growth will go to zero, right? And then their stock will tank. I mean, or, or whatever, right? So therefore, we know what this company will be worth when, when growth is zero, so we can kind of price that in, and that's our expectations. So that's, that's enjoyable uh, to do, <laughs> if you're into that kind of thing. <laughs> and then, but then I think, I think what's, what's, what's fun to do if you're into wild uh, uh, strategy speculation is to be like, all right, well, obviously, no company wants to get to 0% growth, right? So they, they want to maintain you know, double digit growth as much as possible. Uh, because like by the, when, once it starts falling, as, as many companies have shown, your share price goes down because it turns out these models aren't that sophisticated. No one's ever like, well, back when the share price was uh, going gangbusters and it had 33% year over year growth, it was awesome. And so the share price is totally the same now. Uh, as it was last quarter, because we we planned this all out and it's priced appropriately. No, the share tanks, right? Like yeah. when when growth like accelerates down, because the financial analysts actually aren't doing that great of a job with that kind of thing or something. I don't know what's going on there. I get upset about how many types of screwdrivers there are. So what do I know? <laughs> but hey, I, I I don't know how to invest in the stock market, but things have been up the last week, so I'm happy. Yeah, it's great. Every, every I, I love it. Uh, anyways, uh, you know, I, I, I got to buy stuff to put my screwdrivers in. So things, this, exactly. the virtuous cycle is going well. But so then the next thing that you do, and this is where the speculation gets to be fun, is like, well, so as the as this as this company increases, like tapping out its TAM, a TTAM, maybe come up with some funny phrase for that. Like they're obviously going to need to expand into markets, right? And then you've pointed out over and over again the logical thing is like at some point. Even though most high-growth tech companies really do not want to be in services because it ruins the, the spreadsheet with the margins that you have when you're selling people, basically, or selling you people's time. You need a lot time. of headcount. Yeah. Right, right. At some point, probably they'll need to expand into other markets. And, you know, and I'm just making up an example here. And so you'll be like, I don't know, sometime in the next five years, this company is going to acquire a services company, right? And then you're like off to the races. You're just like, <laughs> what are all these other markets that they can get into that will allow them to sustain that 30 to 40% double growth rate over the next 30 years? And you, then- You know, so somewhere somebody's like, you know what would really make us shine? IBM. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, just to stick it to the whole tech world. And, and, and maybe, so, so all of that stuff, you can start all of that from just those two numbers you, you pointed out, uh, Brandon. Yeah, like your, I guess your, just... your TAM and then, and then your, uh, your individual like, like, uh, company 
uh, revenue. And you can start and to I, just imagine. Yeah. And I think just to kind of maybe bring it to like a, a maybe more popular, more tangible thing for maybe mm-hmm. everyone listening is like, you know, Netflix for the longest time, right? You know, they would say something like there's 6 billion people on earth. We've only reached like, I think they're at like 200 million. And they would sort of like lead you to believe that like, well, probably like 3 billion people eventually own Netflix. No, subscribe to Netflix. And, you know, they had this incredible multiple and most media companies were trying to adopt a similar strategy, right? So it comes out this last couple of quarters that they basically lost users. They're sort of tapping out at around 200 million. And I don't think anybody really, you know, uh, and this is sort of like where strategy meets reality, where it's like, I think the strategy people were just like, yeah, a billion, probably a billion users seems about right. But then the data starts to show it's like, yeah, it looks like about 200 million, at least for mm. the moment. That's sort of like, seems to be the upper limit of a streaming service, right? Because they've sort of tapped out their growth or certainly they're not double, you know, not going to double and triple anytime soon, right? They're, you know, maybe adding a million subscribers, which is a lot, but it's not that many on, on that kind of number. So, you know, kind of looking ahead, and I think there's two things to do. I think both as an investor, right? Like, what is the potential, like where does the growth rate and the, uh, if you will, the expectation start to like meet reality? When does the rate like, oh, suddenly right. it, all the cloud voters are way down because it's, it turns out it's not a $4.5 trillion market. It's maybe just a $500 billion market. Doesn't Just like Netflix, Netflix extremely profitable, just means that, you know, this valuation that we had on it, we need to rethink it. So there's that. And then I think maybe more pragmatically for the group listening here, it's just sort of like, you know, there's a whole thread about this week in the software defined talk Slack about like, you know, you know, how long a, a job tenure do people have? But let's say you're, you're going to look ahead. I, I don't know. This is only, maybe it's crazy. Like, is someone take a job thinking I'm going to be there five or 10 years and I, I'm going to work in the office of the CIO. I'm going to work on cloud stuff. Like, if you're thinking about that, I think you ought to think about like, okay, well, how, just how much stuff is really going to move into the cloud that they're currently managing um, in this next 10 year period. Yes, everybody is going to tell me everything will be in the cloud, but I really just care about these next 10 years. So mm. if you say 4% of this stuff is in the cloud net right now, maybe when you're meeting with your manager and you say like, huh, you know, maybe if we get 30% of our, our world in the cloud, we're doing pretty well. Or maybe you do have a more radical strategy, but you acknowledge that like, wow, we're going to be doing it a lot faster than other people. Like Capital One, is a good example of like, you know, they're 100% and I think AWS, at least they say that now, but that's very unusual, right? Like Bank of America isn't there like, like that, right? So that yeah, would just sort of like be a way to think now. about you plotting out your career. In five mm-hmm. years, what's reasonable? And more importantly, where what kind of like company? Are we a true outlier or cap one? Or are we going to be more in the middle where we're, we're managing a lot of, you know, internal and external IT, which may be just helpful, I think, to think of it that way. But, hmm. but also that assumes that, Anybody working there today is going to be there by the time they hit ten percent, right? We're 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 if if we're saying you know sixteen years in we're at four percent, um, you know are, are are the same people going to be there in sixteen years? No. And so like the people doing those spreadsheets, they can be like, look, I'm going to put an asterisk here that says, hey, and uh, twenty thirty two, check check this number and see if it's still valid. But you know. They don't care. It's 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 still going to be quarter to quarter. It's just they have such a good foundation and barrier to entry that they're going to be capturing it for a long time. And I don't think anybody's going to look back at 2022 and say, like, you know, we should have taken a lesson from Netflix that there was a, a, a top to this market because there won't be. I mean, it'll it'll just keep growing in different directions where, you know, because streaming services, that's a well-defined market. Right. There's not it's not like, you know, oh, Maybe we can branch into music or games, but like cloud. 
<laughs> I mean, that's just well, everything. but I'll just say this though. I do think this will happen. I, this is my prediction. And, you know, uh, no matter what, the Software Defined Talk podcast will be going in 10 years. So we'll, we'll check that oh, yeah. in. We'll be like this. It's sure. like, I do think like the growth will suddenly cap at an unexpected time, right? Like mm. this idea that like probably before 2035, right? They'll be like, wow, suddenly, like there will be the moment, the Netflix moment where it's like, wow. Growth fell off. It went from like 15 to like low double, di- low single digits, right? And people will be like, huh. And I don't know why. I'm, I'm not going to, I can't explain why. Either something will happen, some kind of technology thing will happen, or something along those lines. And people will be like, oh, wow. Well, it turns out some Computer of our COVID. assumptions yeah. were wrong. And if you are able, this is like, you know, the role of the, you know, this is uh, Matt Ray's, uh, your, your, your sideline business, your stocking business. Like if you can predict when that will happen, like just like if you were the one holding Netflix and be like, yep, I knew 200 million was the cap. You're going to make a tremendous amount of money, right? Because you're going to be able to say like, I'm going to see the huge drop, right? Mm. In it. So I, you know, just as a, a broad so, statement, so, I'd be like, it will be unexpected, right? It will catch everyone <laughs> off guard. Like when so, that so will Brandon, happen, I don't know. Brandon's making this call. Short Amazon today. No, no, I don't have the guts for, I can't do it. I can't do it. I wouldn't say, but I just say like, there will be a moment. Like I don't, I, I kind of feel like, like at 500 billion, when these companies are collectively at around 500 billion, I, I'm check check with me then. I know. Okay. And okay. five well, years I, I and think, they doubled. I'd be like, ah, maybe maybe I'm feeling a little bit like something. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, let, let, I, I you're, you're, there's a little bit more. There's a little bit more to say on this topic because I think I think your your Netflix example. It's it's good to bring that example up, right? And so let's 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 lay back a little bit into that. And and so analogously, let's say that Netflix's TAM is entertainment. Right. And in the same way that the TAM that the cloud companies operate in is IT. Right. So then if you break apart the entertainment TAM, you're like, oh, I mean, sure, movies and TV shows. But also, like, as Matt Ray was cataloging, you got music. There's even books, concerts. I don't even know how people entertain themselves. Other things. (laughs) Right. Like, I don't know if sports (laughs) goes in there, but like, you know, whatever. Like, so you've got all these other things. And so. It's easy to pay attention to, as as we all have done, the rise of Netflix and like to reward that company for being disruptive and, and kind of a maverick and an innovator there. But at some point, not only do you like like not only do you reach what, what you're talking about, Brandon, where you're sort of tammed out, as it were, like you just can't can't get more. But I think I think Netflix brings up another interesting thing is the incumbents in that market the way that they are rewarded is different than achieving constant double revenue growth. And I don't know if this is true, but it's making me think that like, if you look at that market, so another thing that I think uh, has, has damaged Netflix is all the other existing uh, entertainment people in their field suddenly like could out out Netflix, Netflix, like they learned how to do it. And I think, I think they get rewarded based on not dying, basically, right? Like, and so their whole their whole reward structure is much different from Netflix. And of course, I'm simplifying, but like for a Disney, like Disney probably doesn't have to achieve forty percent quarter over quarter growth in its revenue. I mean, it's cool, but like at some point, they're going to get rewarded for just like not dying. And just yeah. like doing what Netflix is doing. And then so it's almost like a reversal of the usual thing where you make, you not make fun, but you point out that a startup in any field, a disruptor doesn't actually have to make money and they don't have to obey the same rules of the incumbent. 
And then it's almost like the incumbent gets to use that at some point to basically say like, yeah, we don't have to be as as successful. We just have to stay alive and we get rewarded. And then we can draw on the resources that we have to like slowly but surely uh, like actually eclipse and kind of like take away not only take away revenue from that 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 uh, new company, but also just sort of like block block them out from even being able to expand what they're doing. And so, you know, I mean, I think I think you. Now uh, that said, the technology industry doesn't seem incredibly adept at doing that, <laughs> right? Like 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 the companies that we're citing, right? Like out of the three public cloud vendors, only one of them is really like a traditional IT company that that like barely see i don't again i don't know the story but seems to have like uh they, they they seem very fortunate that microsoft figured it out whereas all the other companies are not really your disney's and your uh your nbc universals and peacocks or whatever that seem to be catching up to things uh well the the, uh, the, the barrier to entry was too big for hp for oracle for ibm to get yeah, back yeah. in it. yeah and, and that's that's where streaming is different it, it's it's relatively cheap to get in and, and get out, but you know, um, I mean, I get, and, and then also, to also make headway in public cloud, we're talking, it's just such a financial mode that, uh, and, and in theory also your IP protection is a lot better, right? Like, oh, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know though. Like, like, is there really a difference between all the like true crime shows on Netflix versus the true crime shows on the other things? I mean, is that just an instance of like renaming MongoDB and like doing the same thing? <laughs> like, it's 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 hard to tell between them, but in you know, I mean, if you if you actually want a name brand thing in entertainment, like it's uh, it's it's highly illegal to uh, copy it, <laughs> versus like you know a file system or, or or whatever or networking. Like there's there's not a standard for. I guess again, there kind of is a standard for a police procedural. Yeah, so I mean, as we think about it, though, and to your point about like, okay, well, how do you compete? And there was an article this week about you know how Cloudflare emerge to take on AWS, Azure, and GCP. And I thought this was interesting too, right? Is that, um, you know, we talked a lot about serverless, you know, certainly Matt, you spent some time in that area, but it was interesting to kind of, you know, read this article about like, well, where would potential competition come from? And Cloudflare Mm -hmm. sort of has this, and there was a really nice kind of uh, thread on this in the Software Defined Talk Slack about that, you know, some people signing up for kind of Cloudflare's traditional um, if you will, uh, web application firewalls, but then kind of learning about, I'm, I don't even want to call it, you know, serverless, I guess, Cloudflare Pages, which is sort of like a simpler view of, you know, how to build like web applications while being a little bit more constrained, right? Like where have we heard this before? It's like, oh, it's a little bit more opinionated, but it's also a little bit simpler. And it also seems to be riding this wave of, you know, web assembly. So, you know, it's this idea that like, okay, these these three, you know, incumbents are there, um, and, but, you know, and you look at something like Cloudflare and I just kind of use it as sort of like a proxy for like, yeah, like new stuff will happen. New ideas will come out. Right. I'm um, not saying Cloudflare is like the end all be all. But like as you kind of look ahead, um, just expect changes in the market. Right. And that like this upper bell of the TAM, you know, will be eaten away from lots of different things, whether, you know, new technology and also new companies. Go ahead, Matt. My, my, my prediction right now, I would say there's a greater than 75 percent chance that. AWS will launch a WebAssembly service at reInvent, right? I mean, it's just that simple, right? And so, like, uh, what, what, what now, right? <laughs> I mean, and and what does AWS care if that's you know competing against Lambda or or anything? You know, like they don't care. 
right? No, I agree. And I think, you know, you kind of like outlined, and of course, you know, I, I really like this article and I actually, I mean, Cloudflare are definitely really interesting. I like, I like everything we've, I like what they're doing, but they did have the, um, their CEO, uh, she said that, you know, the thing that, that really worried me, worried me, I'll just read the quote. It's like, uh, quote, developers like, quote, developers like, felt like they needed to make a choice between something that scales and something that's easy to build, like Heroku did, right? Our ambition is to remove the choice with easy to use abstractions that scale to any need. And I was just like, oh, totally lost me. Like that was like that. I think that kind of quote is the kiss of death, right? Because like, I was like, you know, in the first part of it, it's like, oh, this is opinionated. They're going to just do what they do. They're going to stick to what they're good. But then you know, like, and then they even reference Haruku, which is sort of like, you know, a running joke with all of us. It's like, of course, we're going to recreate Haruku, but we're going to do it better this time. Um, so that part gave me like a ton of pause. But the other stuff, um, I think to your point, Matt, is like, I think AWS will, will do it. But I think, you know, inside of all of this is like, well, there is this idea of like making it simpler and easier. And I just kind of was using them as a proxy for like, that's what I expect to happen in the coming years. Well, you know, speaking of making things easier and simpler, if people wanted to get stickers of Software Defined Talk, <laughs> uh, you know, their, their patronage of it in a very non-paying way, what could, what, what could be easier and simpler than how they can do it? Brandon, can you tell them? Well, we've made it, I think, as simple as humanly possible. Just email your postal address to stickers at softwaredefinedtalk.com, and I will be happy to send you a sticker anywhere in the world. I did send some stickers to Sally in New York this past week, so I appreciate uh, she wrote in. A couple other quick things on listener feedback. One, it's not really listener feedback, but I'll just throw it out. Slack is changing how their free plan works. They're giving everybody 90 days of free history. So that was like, hey. Don't take away the thread. It's it worked, for, old, worked for us. So for those not in the know, Software Defined Talk thread, uh, the thread as we refer to, I think it's over 7,000 messages. It was getting kind of unwieldy, kind of hard to no. load, but like this 90 day thing has worked out. So but, I just want to say thanks to Slack. To it? It's two years old. No, no, but it's, it's as long as you can read the last 90 days of messages. So I think it's going to no, work out well. You have to read the thread from the beginning. That's well, that, that I can't, that we will never pay for. You have to get us every six months, we get the, the enterprise plan for free trial, and then you have to read the whole thread. So that's what it is. Mm-hmm. So, so just, uh, of course, uh, <laughs> thanks to Slack. I know that we had nothing to do with it, but I really appreciate that. And then um, I was also not really necessarily listener feedback. I just want to recommend this podcast this week. What is DevRel? It's from our good friends, uh, Brian Gracely. It's on the Cloudcast podcast. It's one of his Sunday conversations, which I think are the, the best episodes. I think, I think it was fantastic start to finish. We'd love to hear if other people thought it was good. Um, so check all that out. We'll send you stickers and uh, thanks to Slack and go listen to Brian's uh, uh, most recent Sunday conversation. Well, so there's a few conferences to note. At the end of the month, I'm going to be at uh, DevOps Days uh, DFW, uh, August 24th and 25th. I'll be speaking there along with several other exciting people like uh, John Willis, good old Andrew Schaefer. And uh, then also, because I'll be in the States, well, taking advantage of that, I'll also be at VMware Explore August 29th to 1st. But I'm going to be in Austin uh, on August 27th, and we're going to have a little software-defined talk meetup uh, at 6.30 p.m. If you want to get to the, the little, the invite, the listing for that, just go to softwaredefinedtalk.com uh, slash 371, and you can find a link to it. And also, you know, you should check out those conferences. All sorts of fun stuff going on there. There's other conferences, but if you go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 371, uh, you can find them, and you should attend them all, especially the ones I'm involved in. Attend them three times, uh, if, if, uh, if possible. Now, with that, Matt Ray, what do you have to recommend this week? Well... Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's still winter here in uh, Australia. Uh, I don't, so... I don't know what that means. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> um, 
Uh, sorry, the, it's not it's not some you know Australian word. It, it's actually a season. Oh, uh, I see. But but uh, <laughs> it's not too hot, uh, which means it's running season. So um, I I took it upon myself to sign up for a couple of races. So I've got uh, I'm not going to be on next week. So I'm I'm cramming two picks into this week. Uh, this weekend I'm doing the Jabulani Challenge. It's a, a trail run if uh, if you're so inclined, um, and uh, you, you're going to be there anyway. Uh, say hi. Uh, I'll be doing the the 12k. Um, there's also a, a a half marathon and a full marathon out in the woods if if you're into that. Uh, I'm not quite there yet. And then uh, next weekend is the world's largest fun run uh, in Sydney. It's the City to Surf. Um, it st- starts downtown Sydney, ends up at Bondi. Uh, it's a uh, 14k. So uh, if, uh, again, 60,000 people are going to be there, maybe you're a software-defined talk listener, find me, and uh, we'll run together. Uh, See you there. How about yourself, Brandon? What do you have to recommend? All right. Well, it's uh, the time of uh, the summer, I guess, here in the Northern Hemisphere. So that means there's, it's the summer blockbuster. You know, it's the, all the movies that are, are bad, but they're actually really good. So I was going to do my uh, summer recap of what I think you should watch. One, Ambulance. Great movie, start to finish. I mean, and when I mean that, I mean great in the sense of the summer blockbuster. It's uh, Michael Bay at his best. Got like Jake Gyllenhaal, kind of weird, freaky kind of Jake Gyllenhaal, which I kind of like. A lot of just nonstop action. A couple scenes remind me of Heat. In no way am I comparing this movie to Heat, but I'm just saying it reminded me a little bit of that, which, of course, I love Heat. If, you don't, if you've never seen Heat, you should watch that. So Ambulance, check that one out. And also, I did finish the Terminal List. One of the listeners recommended I would say the first episode, I was like, hmm, I'm not sure. But then I watched the rest of it, again, in the genre of just great American action with that kind of doesn't make sense, but it's still compelling to watch. Check out The Terminal List. Now, I'm also going to put in here a link to The Ringer podcast. Uh, it's a big picture podcast that they do. And they actually went through and broke down um, what makes a good, quote unquote, trashy special ops movie. And mm. they, like myself, like they didn't really like The Gray Man on Netflix. Like it, I didn't think it was that good, right? And again, even when we kind of adjust for like, ridiculous uh, kind of uh, uh, action movie. I didn't think The Gray Man on Netflix was very good. So I would avoid that one, but you can listen to them. They kind of break it down. They tell you why that movie is good and bad. Um, and they give a whole bunch of other recommendations. So if you're looking for kind of like mindless uh, cinematic action, check out Ambulance and the Terminal List. Oh, that's good. I was trying to find a movie the other night to watch with Kim. And uh, I don't know why it's always so difficult to settle on something. We watched that movie, Men which I, I'm still not sure what I think about that movie. It was, it was fun to watch, but I'm not sure if, if it was necessary. Uh, I, but anyhow, well, my recommendation is that uh, it's a very broad one. This past weekend, I was lucky to, uh, uh, because my mother's here, she can watch the kids. Kim and I just went for a little weekend trip to Vienna, and that's my recommendation. You should check out Vienna. I think, I think it's, uh, it's, it's like, it has all the stuff that you would want from like a, uh, you know, from an American perspective or whatever that you would want from like a European vacation. And it's like, uh, it's, it's pretty like chill. Like it's not like overrun with ter- yeah, tourists. Yeah. lovely. Yeah. And it's nice. And so, it, you know, it's, it's easy enough to go there. We stayed at the Marriott, which is fantastic. One of the better Marriott's now. You know the best Marriotts are the ones over in Asia. They're just fantastic. Oh but yeah. Like, but th- but this this one this one was good. Now I have to say that their their lounge, the M lounge, the M club, a little weird. They need to figure out what's going on. First, it doesn't open until four p.m. I don't know what's up with that. So it doesn't it doesn't serve breakfast. All the breakfast is included if you have have status. And then and then two, they only like serve alcohol and food from like five to like seven or something, which is like. I mean, that's kind of like the whole point of the lounge, 
right? <laughs> so it's like that. The lounge is there for that, uh, and so they should do that. However, the rest of it was totally fine. Now, specifically, there's all sorts of things in Vienna, but uh, there, we, I, I chose to go there because they have at the museum they have twelve Bruegel paintings, the most Bruegels of anywhere, and it is actually pretty awesome uh, to go see all of them. So you can do that, and uh, and then we found apparently uh, in Vienna they have a lot of uh, older theaters where they play older movies. So. One night we watched The Third Man, which happens in Vienna. And then another night I went up and they were having a James Bond marathon. So I watched uh, The Man with the Golden Gun. Not the best James Bond movie, but it was okay. And then we just happened to stumble upon this restaurant called uh, Miznan, which apparently is part of like a restaurant empire that this Israeli chef has. But it was super good, uh, seating outdoors, and also pretty cheap uh, for that kind of place. Uh, they, they have a... Uh, a roast head of cauliflower, if you want to look up that recipe, is just the start uh, of what they had there that was good. So Vienna, check that out. Good weekend trip. This is for Define Talk. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, you can go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 371. You can find out how to join our Slack where there's all sorts of exciting conversations. We had a whole potential topic based on a conversation and comment that had been going on that we didn't uh, dive into too much. And, uh, you know, just remember, uh, when you're looking to, uh, to, to do some TAM exploring, you should listen to this episode over and over again. Now you know all the exciting things to do when you're thinking through total addressable market. And with that, we'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye. All right. Thanks for everyone hanging in. Um, and for everyone that's on the stream or those that watch it on YouTube, definitely, uh, if you're interested in meeting up with us, definitely hit the invite, uh, the Eventbrite. Let us know uh, if you want to come. It's free to attend our software defined talk happy hour. See, talk to me, Kote. Talk to the other listeners. It would be great to see some of you in person. So we need to end at the top of the hour. No, wait, that doesn't make sense. We need to end at, <laughs> if it's 10, it's 1042, right? The bottom of the hour. <laughs> if it's 1042 right now, we need yep. to end at by eleven thirty. Eleven thirty. Okay. Bottom I mean, of the I, hour. Bottom of the hour. I don't. I don't the know. Next hour, because that's where the hands pointing. Is that like some sports stuff about bottoms and tops? No, no, no. Okay. no. It's, it's, just, uh, just, it's just about clocks. It's just about. Oh, clocks. it's like an analog clock. That explains it. I I remember when the analog clock came out. Uh, I, in, in my education, I was just like, nope, not not having it. <laughs> It's like you're not going to bother like learning it. Just just the, 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 it. I think yeah. that's that's the difference in age between you and me, Cote. My this sounds day, like a, a middle schooler. This sounds I like was... something a middle schooler would come up with, or like not a middle school, elementary school. Nope, I'm just out on this. Nope. I'm not going to learn nope. this. Yeah, no, I'm, I, I, I'm digital. Yeah. I'm a digital native. I'm not Wait. learning the clock. I'm an analog clock native. When I was first introduced to the analog clock, I think that that was my assessment was just this is not for me. I I'm going to prioritize <laughs> other things. Uh, we have we have a we have a digital clock that is just the numbers. You look at an analog clock, and then basically, maybe not in your mind, but in my mind, I just convert it to numbers. So why go the extra step? And that was That's perhaps right. that was my first lesson in a programmer's mentality. Why? I think it just why means you're always European, and then you're like, and I'll need a philosophy degree to go with it. That's right. That's right. But you're always. This is like you're you're, you're sort of always been European at heart, right? With you know, because they do twenty four hour clocks, right? Twenty four hour time. Well, that that is that is my compromise. Now you would think this would mean that there's the inefficiency of AM and PM, <laughs> but you hate I'm, that too, right? I I don't I don't like the military time. I'm not into that. That's just oh. it's, I find it very because here's what happens in my mind is every time I see fifteen, I have to subtract twelve. So why, do, why doesn't it just do that for me? Time. Like, time's always making me do extra work. <laughs>